Welcome to more details, please, with your hosts, Emmanuel and Angela Williams, where we dive deeper into conversations with visionary entrepreneurs to discover what it takes to turn passion into purpose. Listen to real-world stories from self-starters and trailblazers and discover strategies and innovations shaping a greener future. Whether you are a seasoned business person or just starting out, let this be your go-to resource for inspiration and actionable tips for success. Join us now as we create a brighter, greener future together. Welcome to More Details, Please, broadcasting live in the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. We are here helping entrepreneurs turn their passion into purpose. We're your hosts, Angela. And Emmanuel Williams. And today we are in studio with Carla. So let me tell you a little bit about Carla before we get started. I am excited to introduce you to Carla and for Carla to meet all of you. So today's episode will highlight how choices shape your experience in business and in life and how you can harness the power of choice when you want to explore new opportunities, new possibilities, and do more of what you love. So Carla Faria, like Maria, is an accredited executive and personal coach with a background in business, branding, and marketing. She is passionate about working with professional women, dealing with change, and navigating challenges. Today, we're going to chat with Carla about choices, purpose, and how to feel emboldened in times of change and disruption. What do you think about that, Emmanuel? I think that this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Um, This podcast is all about entrepreneurs. And one of the things I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't really recognize is that they're constantly making choices. And choice is very, very a powerful practice if you understand, have a certain amount of awareness to realize that you do have a choice. So this conversation is going to be really deep. We're going to go deep into this conversation to help people get to the root, help entrepreneurs or people get to the root of the problem that they're facing. And this is what turning our passion into purpose is all about on this podcast. So thank you for being a guest here. Oh, it's a pleasure. So, Great to be here. Yeah, Carla, welcome. I mean, definitely. So the topic for today is choice is your superpower. I just fell in love with the topic itself. So I want to first start with tell us all a little bit about yourself. So as you know, I'm an executive coach and I coach. In fact, I coach everybody. I say that my, my special area is coaching professional women, but I actually coach everybody. But I didn't start in the coaching world. I actually started in the media world, in the media and content world. And I worked in that world. And as you can tell from my accent, folks, I'm from the UK and I'm, I'm based in London. But I, I worked in the media industry in London for more than 25 years. And what I used to do was I used to go into businesses and organizations of all sizes and all stripes and launch and develop content departments and commercial content departments. And we would develop creative ideas for advertising clients and creative strategies for advertising clients. And I did that for years and years and years. And I, and I really enjoyed it. You know, people often kind of say, well, how did you make that transition into coaching? And, and you know, was it a sudden decision? And what did you do? And I kind of, you know, I'd loved it for years and years, but I'd always felt that maybe something was missing. You know, I enjoyed it, but was something missing? And I kind of thought, well, actually... It's not so much that there's something missing, but I'm not doing enough of the stuff that I love to do. And the stuff that I love to do was helping other people solve their own problems and meet their own challenges, but do it themselves and not have somebody just feed them advice. And so I realized actually I wanted to make something of my career that enabled me to take that piece and, and, and blow it up into something big. And that's how I got into coaching. That, that is so interesting. I immediately thought, oh, I need her. <laughs> so that's exciting. So this is a little bit of free advice. I don't know how to say that nicely, but believe me, my questions will be centered around how it can help me. So hopefully those that are listening could benefit as well. So deciding to walk away from a 25 plus year career is a big decision. Plus you experience additional challenges as all of us 
will experience, you're in business long enough, stuff is going to happen. And it's how you react to it that makes all the difference. So tell me a little bit about what happened in your journey and then how you are handling it now. Yeah, well, it's a great question, actually. And, and you, you know, you, you know a little bit about this already just for, from my background, but I didn't simply walk out of a career in media and then hop neatly into a career in coaching. It, it came with its struggles. So I, I left a role that I, I wasn't really very happy in in early 2020 and thought, you know what, this is going to be fine. I'm going to walk into another one and it's going to be great. And all that, the headhunters, and I don't know if you call them headhunters, but all the search such guys were circling going we've got great roles for you don't worry you're going to walk into something amazing so I was good for this but then COVID happened and we were locked down and suddenly all of those potential roles disappeared and it was a case of okay so this is going to be a different experience and then within weeks of that I actually had a breast cancer diagnosis as well so I had this triple whammy of leaving a job the world going into lockdown and having a, a, a health crisis you know a serious health diagnosis that I had to navigate during a pandemic that nobody really understood because we, as you'll remember, we were in the early days, the early weeks of it, and nobody really knew what that meant. And so, yeah, I mean, your, your question's a really interesting one because it was a case of, well, how do you deal with it? Do you, do you fall into crisis? Do you collapse in a heap? And by the way, when I say what I'm gonna say, this is not a commentary on people who do fall into crisis and, and struggle because people do. And actually, you know, we'll, we'll get onto this, I'm sure, later in, in the conversation, but you have to be really honest with your emotions to progress. But the way that I chose to see my situation was, this is what the world has thrown at me. Life isn't perfect. Life is what life is. And I can choose how I want to go about dealing with it. And my, my choice, and I know that's very much the theme of our our conversation today, my choice was not just survival, but thriving. So I thought, right, I'm going to keep myself healthy, well, focused and purposeful as much as I possibly can during this time. And I had surgeries and I was having treatment. I wasn't able to, to think about work at that point. And I did that. And I think the power of even in your darkest, most challenging times, trying to find purpose, it keeps you moving. It keeps you even emotionally and mentally dynamic. So I think that then when you come out of, come out the other side of a difficult time, you're already in motion. You might not necessarily be in motion in the place that you want to then take off from and springboard from, but you're, but you're not at a standstill. And so I think, and I don't know if any of this makes sense. Oh, it definitely um, makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I think there's, this, there's, a, there's a piece in there about keeping yourself hopeful and purposeful. That means that when you are then more physically capable, as, as was the case for me, I went from, from being in, in really challenging health conditions um, and, and having you know, brutal treatment to feeling stronger and better and fitter and more well, I was able to then throw myself into my next challenge with vigor and with excitement. And I think the reason I was able to do that was I was able to pull back a little bit from the situation that I found myself in and observe it and think, you know, what is it that I'm looking at and what do I want? Wow. And that's that's kind of how I dealt with it, really. And it's sorry. And in answer to your last question, because you very sweetly asked me how, how I am and how I'm doing. Yes. I'm exactly. doing really well. Awesome. Thank you for asking. Uh, well, you look so healthy and vibrant. So, oh, you know, if that's you. any indication of how it's all going, you're well put together. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that um, you are constantly using your superpower. And your superpower is having a certain amount of awareness to realize that every thought that you think you have a choice to choose, right? Because our thoughts and our emotions is in direct proportion to how we feel and what we attract. And a lot of times when people are going through crisis, they don't even realize that they have a choice. A lot of times people are, most people are suffering and don't even realize they're suffering. I always use this example about a dog. A guy went over to one of his friends' house, and he had he went in, he sat down, and he had a dog. And the dog was by the fireplace, and he was laying down, and he was moaning and groaning. The guy said, uh, hey, man, what's wrong with your dog? And the guy walked in the room. He looked. He said, oh, he just laying on the nail. He said, well, how come he won't get up? He said, it ain't hurting bad enough. And so when you talk about choice. 
you're talking about a process of evolving and growing to become that person that we was intended to be when we showed up here on this planet. And so for you to have enough awareness to even realize that you have a choice, then once you accept your situation, and I'm not saying accept it and don't do anything about it, but realize it is what it is and not getting pulled into thoughts and emotions that takes you into an unconscious state where you continue to suffer. But when you have enough light to turn on to realize that I do have a choice, that's the beginning of the healing process. But sometimes that's not the case. I mean, let's let's face it. When you are going through a dark moment in business or in life, uh, your first thought is, I just need to get through this. I just need to get through it. Quite honestly, that's not easy for a lot of people. So when you don't feel like you have a choice, then what? So it's, you know what, that's a great question, right? Because very much as Emmanuel says, actually, in almost all, but very, very few extreme circumstances, do you not have a choice? Or in almost all situations, we do have choice. We just don't realize it. And, um, you know, I think you've, you've both said it here. It, it, it's really interesting. So here's the interesting thing. Let me give you an observation from coaching, from when I've coached people, when I've coached individuals in particular, because I coach teams and groups, but I also, you know, predominantly coach individuals. That often when people come for coaching, they are in that place that you describe where they think, I just don't have a choice. It's got this bad, right? And, and when we talk about things getting this bad, it could be anything. It could be, it could be very senior leaders in the workplace who are like, I have to restructure my organization, but I don't know where to start. I, I just, I, I can't do it. Or it might be, I need to launch another business, but I don't know how to do it. I just, there is no choice. I don't have to. Or it might be many more really personal things. You know, I can't juggle the amount of stuff I have going on. I, I am in a relationship I need to move away from. I don't know how to do it. I don't have a choice, right? And the reason I'm sharing this is because really people come with all sorts of stuff. They bring all of this stuff to coaching. And I think when we're in that state, when we feel that we don't have a choice and our back's against the wall, we look at things in a really binary way. And this binary way is I'm either here or I'm there. Mm-hmm. I either stay or I go. I either stay or I leave. And I think the, the, the thing that that does for us is it, it puts us in a place where the, where the alternative is frightening because it's very far away from where we are now. Mm-hmm. And what we try and do, or what I try and do with people when I'm coaching them and when they're in a coach, when I'm in a coaching relationship with them, is say, listen, you've picked the two most extreme points to look at and you've looked at them and you are looking at them as though they are your only options when actually if you join the line between those two points there is a whole field to play in there is a whole field to play in and along that field are an almost infinite number of points of choice right mm-hmm. and actually i think when you're in that really extreme situation where you worry that there is no choice apart from that extreme one over there it's too frightening to jump and really, my job sometimes with people is to kind of say, there's no big jump to be had unless you really want to. We can just put one foot forward, one foot in front of the other and think, what's the smallest change that I might be able to make that shifts me towards something that is more meaningful or more useful or more financially available or whatever it might be that they're trying to achieve? But I think, yes, that's the job. The job is, the job is um, to recognize, and my job is to help people recognize that there are many options for them, not just the one, the frightening one that's in the distance. I was no, actually going to add one other thing. <laughs> Look, we're we're we all. About, <laughs> we were talking about this being a free-flowing conversation. Yes. Now. Yes, it's going to be free-flowing. I was actually going to share with you a quotation that some of your, some of your listeners may be really familiar with because it's quite famous. And it's by a, um, a guy who is a neurologist, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist, um, and actually a Holocaust survivor. His name is Viktor Frankl. And he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is the power to choose our response. And in that response is our growth and our freedom. And it's a gorgeous phrase. And I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you over so that you can, you know, you can share it with people. But it's, it's wonderful because it says that sometimes when we're confronted with something really difficult, we have an instinctive reaction to it. And that reaction might be no, or it might be jump. But actually, if we can remember that there's always a space, we don't need to jump straight away. We can just think, we can stop and just consider stuff. In that space, there is choice. And that lovely place where we have choice means that we can choose our response and then we can grow. 
And I think that's kind of lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the Clifford Yeah. Girl. Go ahead, Emilio. <laughs> you know, um, when, when choice and dealing with choice and your back is against a wall, you mm. know, I think one of the things that people, a lot of times they judge a situation as if it's good or as if it's bad. But a lot of times, the worst thing that could ever happen is the best thing. And the best thing that we perceive to happen could be the worst thing. And so we are here as individuals, as humans, to evolve, right? And we are part of a consciousness that is constantly evolving. And one of the things about choice, a big process I feel that is about choice, is our ability to suffer. You know, I, I give you an, I, an example. I, I, I was a boxer. My dad was my trainer. And I was in this ring with this older guy who was just like, hit me with right hands, right? My dad told me how to get away from it. But because I was in the ring getting hit, he was like, I couldn't get away from it. So I was hearing my dad tell me what to do. And I'm in the ring getting hit. Well, it got to the point where this guy was hitting me with so many right hands that it came to the point where I said, I'm going to either get knocked out or I'm going to quit, right? And at a certain point, because of the suffering, I did what my father told me to do, and then it, I changed my whole strategy of boxing. I was able to slip in, and I was able to see clear enough to be able to go on the offense. And so when, I talk, when we talk about choice, a lot of times we have to go through situations and circumstances that is uncomfortable so that we can get used to stepping into the unknown. And that unknown is what you were just talking about, which is the space in which where our growths come from. Because that's what we're here for is to grow and to evolve. Okay, I'm going to say this. All right, so now it is thinking about coaching from the standpoint of branding, marketing, business, etc. I just broke up with my man. Oh. And he not only broke up with me, I also found out that I was going to be moved to a new position and now I'm going to make much less money. And when I got home, he had took all the furniture and the cat. Now, I'm in this moment. What do I do in this moment? Is there any crossover in that? Okay, that didn't really happen to me. Obviously, here's my man yeah. right here. But I'm just saying, this, this is, I'm talking about in this moment, now what? Give, give me advice in that moment that I just found out all those things happened. So first, I'm going to tell you something really interesting, which may not be clear, and it may not be obvious to your listeners, but you know that coaches never give advice. Ah. Did you know that? Who knew that? So you who mean knew, the right? coach is not who the knew? one with the answers? So <sighs> let, me, let me start with that bit, right? And then we're going to come on to, come on to your, um, your question. So... Here's the really important thing about coaches, and it's actually really great for your listeners to know, because if any of them are thinking about having coaching or are curious about coaching, it's really important for them to know that a good coach will never give you advice. And here is why. It's because nobody can know more about the best solution for you than you. You know your history, you know your experience, you know your mindset, you know your life, you know your family, you know your responses, you know the rate, you know the way that you work, you know your, as you say, Emmanuel, you know your tolerance for discomfort. Um, you know yourself really well. What you need when you need a coach or what you're looking for is for somebody to be what we call a compassionate provocateur. Ah. Somebody to ask you some cool questions some things that get you thinking down a path that you hadn't really considered or a path that's, that just hasn't been walked down for a while and enable you to start unraveling that thing that you're puzzling for yourself. Because actually, when you unravel your challenge for yourself, it sticks, right? Mm -hmm. if, somebody, if somebody gives you some great advice, it might be useful in that moment and it might actually work, but it won't stick in the way that if you have actually work, worked through it yourself, it makes sense to you. It hits it hits hard and it sits deeply. So as coaches, what we do is we work, we sometimes we work with psychology principles, sometimes we work with neuroscience, but and, and we help people to think better. And that's actually one of the definitions of coaching that I love the most of all. It's so simple. Coaches help people to think better. So it's so hard sometimes to think through a fictitious challenge like the one you presented just yes. now. It's hard to think for ourselves because we have stuff whirling around in our heads all the time, right? 
they're whirling around our heads all the time and it's really hard to put that down somewhere and go what do I do with this mess and what a coach will do is they will help you wade through the mess and help you solve your own problem it will help you find your own challenge so that's a little actually quite a long aside on coaching and what's powerful about it and what it really is that's major. Actually, that's major. Sorry. That's major no. because otherwise I would be dependent on you. It's like, all yeah. right, caller, tell me what to do. Carla, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. That's right. And actually, the, the real power for me as a coach, the real power of seeing somebody solve their own problem, and especially if it's a big one and one that they have been turning over and turning over in their heads. For some people, they've been turning over in their heads a problem for years, for decades. It's I'm a perfectionist. How do I stop? Be- because actually being a perfectionist causes me pain. I'm a people pleaser. All I want to do is, is to make other people happy and, and, to, and for people not to be disappointed in me. And these, these are challenges that sit with us from childhood or from our first job or from our first relationship. So actually being able to really understand what's happening at the core of that and why you respond the way you do and why you struggle to solve these problems that are circular problems, it means you, you take that solution and you have it forever right you don't just have it in that moment with that problem but actually going back to that fictitious challenge that you were talking about actually what I would what I would say to that person is I I would I would be asking them questions I would ask them questions and the first thing that I would suggest to them or I'd ask them to think about is how to create space how do you create a little space and it's very hard you know if you're struggling and especially that struggle is hard and it's emotional how do you create space between you and the thing that you're experiencing and observe it how can you, if you can try and observe it as though it were happening outside of you, you could see it for what it was. And actually, you'd probably be able to advise yourself the way a friend would advise you. You know, I, I love those answers <laughs> as a coach mm-hmm. um, because it just kind of tells me how when people are in situations, you're not taking them and helping them in a way where they can't help themselves. You got to struggle in order to get the muscles um, in order to grow, I mean, there was this situation where it was this cali- this caterpillar becoming a butterfly. He was struggling to get out of the cocoon, and then somebody came along and opened the cocoon and threw the butterfly up in the air. He couldn't fly, and he fell on the ground, and he got ate up by ants. But then it was this other caterpillar becoming a butterfly. He was struggling. And in his struggling out of the cocoon, he built muscles, and he built character. And once he got out of that cocoon, he was able to fly away. And so your ability as a coach, and I'll go back to the scenario as my father, is that when we in a situation, we're so emotionally and mentally, psychologically attached to that situation, we can't see outside that situation a lot of time. When you get put out or you get a divorce or things of that nature, but as a coach, you're on the outside now and you're looking in and you're giving them the tools and you're giving them the information to help themselves so when you're not there, they can they have a path to be stronger and to evolve and grow. So I love the fact that of in terms of, nope, I'm not going to give you advice. I'll give you advice, but I'm not going to do it in a way where I'm going to stagnate your growth. Exactly. And I think that the thing that's really interesting is that in a situation, so the example that Angela gave, which was, you know, it's a really emotional very challenging situation it can be really hard to create that space yourself right Mm -hmm. and so that's when people come coaching and actually it's that piece of it is very like therapy as well you know when somebody you you are with somebody who is helping you to create the space so that you can think better right yeah and if you're doing it yourself it becomes hard so we, we talk about things like well you know how do you create space for yourself so that you can do good thinking and I will talk to I will talk to business people like this as well it's like look you have a massive business um, challenge on your hands how do we help you create space when we're not together working together so that you can think better and sometimes it's well for some people it's writing so okay you journal right and there are some really clever techniques of, of what we call reflection and self-reflection and reflection is more than thinking it's it, it, it's thinking and then creating that space and evaluating what it is you're thinking about and looking at it curiously you know looking at things with curiosity is really interesting because it allows you to see things you haven't seen before Wow. As a provocateur, that makes so much sense. Okay. So Emayo loves this quote. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Is this realistic to achieving a goal? Oh my God. Well, first I have to say, Emmanuel, I'm so with you. I love that quote too, right? (laughs) So this is a, mm, 
hmm, this is a good one. This is what I would call a no and a yes answer, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you both. I feel very fortunate and I am incredibly grateful for the situation that I now find myself in, right? Because I do something that I love. You know, so even when I'm having a tough day or it's exhausting or I'm doing the bits that are a bit boring, the administrative bits, I still love it. So yeah, I, I, Emmanuel, I'm right there with you. I don't feel like I work a day in my life. I love it. But what I would say is this, that I realize that it's apart from hard work, it's also luck and it's also privilege. You know, not everybody has either the luck or the privilege to be doing a job that is just gorgeous and, and completely enjoyable from start to finish. So, so not everybody has the opportunity to see if they can have something where they don't work a day in their life. So the quick answer is no, it's not realistic. But the better and the longer answer is yes, it can be if you're willing to do the work, as is always the way. So here's how I'd explain it. We have this principle in psychology, which again, some of your listeners, many of your listeners will be familiar with called intrinsic and extrinsic reward. And what that says is that everything you do from when you get up in the morning, do you turn your alarm straight off or do you snooze it 17 times? Do you have a coffee or do you have a juice? Whatever, everything we do is done because there is a reward in mind, right? Now, rewards can be extrinsic or they can be intrinsic. An extrinsic reward is a reward that comes to you from the outside. It's your salary. It's your title. It's the feedback you get from your boss. It's the Instagram likes you get. It's, it's stuff from the outside that makes you feel good, right? And it's a reward and a motivation. There is also intrinsic reward or an intrinsic motivation, and that's the stuff on the inside, right? So that's, I do this because I love it. I do, the, I do this because it means something to me. I do this because it excites me. It makes me feel purposeful. It's the things on the inside that make you feel, yes, I'm going to do this. So if somebody is in a role that is not their role of choice, it's not their job that makes them feel they don't have to work a day in their life. It's just a job, but it's a job that pays, right? Well, I, the way I would be coaching them is to go, okay, so instead of thinking about it is it pays the rent, it feeds the kids, is yes, it, it, but it's meaningful. What, what, where is the meaning in that? And the meaning is my kids get to wear new clothes. I get to take my kids on a weekend treat somewhere. Well, that's meaningful. It's not just about I get paid a certain amount of money. It, it means something very different. So even though not every job has the opportunity to be, opportunity to be the role that is, you know what, this is the dream. If you can find ways of making elements of it feel like the dream for you, it enables you to have some really intrinsically rewarding moments. It can feel closer to being, you know, not a day of work in your life. Does that explain what this does? Yeah, does that yeah make it, 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 it does. But, you know, I think a, a greater example of that is you. You know, it, it was like you was in corporate America. You've been doing what you've been doing things happen, you know, life happens to us, right? That make us grow and make us evolve. And you've gotten to a certain point where you said, wait a minute, I got a choice. And you chose to do what you love to do. And that's what you're here doing now. So yeah. you may, fortunately, I mean, I don't know if your financial situation or all, but the point is, is that once you get on that track, whether it's watching kids, cleaning clothes, whatever it may be, if that love and that joy is flowing into what you do, you transform the world. So even if a lot of times we're faced with adversity to say, okay, yes, I got to pay my bills. I got to do what I need to do in order to survive. I think the most important thing that we can take responsibility for is our state of consciousness. Because how we feel in our state of consciousness is the direct proportion to what we're going to attract. And so do we stay stuck on this wheel, rolling, running, running, and not being happy? Or over a period of time through suffering, do we choose to do something different? And that's, I think, a very important place and role that we have to figure out on this journey here in terms of what is really what we're really looking for in life. You know, yeah, it, absolutely. It, I agree. It's interesting because sometimes fear holds you back. I have a friend. Mm. She um, has been working in the same career area for over 20 years. 
And I, I would say in general, she likes what she does, but in, she doesn't love it. So she's constantly looking for something else. What would be the next thing? How can I move away from this, but still have the security of getting paid? I need to be able to pay my mortgage, et cetera. So when fear is holding you back, is it possible to reset that mindset? I mean, the, I'm oh scared. I'm scared. Great so. question. <laughs> Great question. So there are loads of pieces to this answer, and I, I, I will try and make it simple, but let's see, hey, right? The, the one piece of this, there's a little piece of this answer in lots of the questions that, that we've, we've talked through already, that there's, there's an element here of acceptance, that fear is not a bad emotion. In fact, emotions aren't bad or good. They're just, they're data, right? They're signals to us that we need to pay attention to something, Right. So that's, that's the first thing. It's, it's, and it's a really important principle. So fear is not a, a bad emotion. It's just a little signal that something is important to you. You're nervous about taking the next step because, you know, there, there's potentially stuff to lose and stuff to gain. Once you understand why it is that you feel fearful and you've accepted that you feel fearful and it's okay, you can think about, okay, so there are things to be lost and things to be gained if I make this move. And I think the piece that sometimes people, so possibly your friend, they don't get deeper under the surface to think about is okay so let's do an audit what might I lose and what might I gain Ah. and once you actually start so this is a piece of work that you would do with a coach right or with a friend and you kind of go okay right we know there, and it's again it's about acceptance we know there are going to be losses if I move but there'll also be gains let's audit them against each other let's do the pros and cons and let's figure out where I am on my also on my map of do I, need to, to, do I need to jump to this job over there or do I need to just slowly start some learning? And, and some of the coaching questions we might ask would be, what do you want the world to look like and what do you want your world to look like in two years' time? And in order to get there, what might you need to do? What would be better? What would be worse? So rather than asking questions about fear, you're asking questions about gain. You're asking questions about what the world could look like. And I think that just helps people partly consider their mindset but it also helps you get underneath the fear to something that's a bit more useful it's a bit more practical so there's there's part of an answer there but I think that coming back to the the first point about about emotions being not positive or negative but just really useful data it's a great thing to know because you know when people feel anger or feel sadness or feel fear it's just really useful to ask yourself what's underneath this what's causing it what's driving it so it could be that situation where you need someone to help you create that space where you can think through there may be another route, another route that I can take um, to get to my end result. And I think a lot of people, like as a coach, have more faith in you than themselves. Because sometimes people are so beat down, they need somebody to live for. They need somebody. It's sort of like, you know, you can mess with over me, but you can't mess over my kid. Because they have to have something that is more important to them because they don't feel good about themselves. And so as a life coach, you come along, they have so much love and admiration and respect for you. They would tend to do things that you ask them to do that they won't do for themselves. And that's unlocking the door and helping them to get to that next level. Well, here's, here's a really interesting thing. And, and again, this is a little bit like the coaches don't give advice thing, which is a really, I think, a really interesting nugget, right? When we talk about coaching, and maybe I'm not sure if this is just in the UK or if it's, if, if it's in general, one of the things we always say that when we're in coaching is when we talk to a client, it's not like a therapist talking to a patient, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's quite a different dynamic. So a therapist talking to a patient, that patient is what we call, they're not always resourceful. They're not always capable. So, so Emmanuel, when you're describing that situation of just feeling so bad, often that's why we will refer somebody to a counselor or a therapist because actually what that person needs to do is to work with somebody who can help them resolve things and understand things better and feel better. And that's when you work with a different kind of professional. The really interesting thing about coaching when, you, when a coach works with a client is that they are equals. That person is already resourceful. Okay. Right? They're already feeling as though they have solutions to find. They just can't reach them. They can't get to them, right? But they are resourceful. And one of the things that we always say is that the coach and the client, we are equals and we are in what's called an adult to adult interaction, right? So the coach is not taking on that parent role, that kind of 
listen, I know, I know more than you. I'm the expert here. You listen, listen to me, I'll help you. Because what that would do is that would push the other person into a child state, right? And it would push them into a state where they feel as though they need to listen and they need to pay attention and they don't know as much. But actually, the most powerful place for that person to be and for the coach to be is in what we call an adult to adult, adult to adult relationship, where actually we're being a thinking partner for that person. We're supporting them as they think. We're, we're, we're in a really lovely collaborative space. And actually, Angela, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead of, of one of the questions that we talked about, which was really interesting, which is actually tied to this, because I remember we were, we were talking about um, my old world where I was in marketing and branding and I was in creative and in media. And were there any, were there any connections between my old world and this current world? And actually, it's this. It's that when you are in the creative media world, you know, whether you're on the radio or whether you're in newspapers and magazines and on websites, your best work comes about when you're collaborative and creative and you're curious. And those three things are, the, are, are three of the same things that are absolute pillars in coaching. You are working with somebody in a way that's collaborative, creative, and full of curiosity. And that person is already resourceful. So they're not in need of somebody to look after them and scoop them up. They're already ready and they're raring to go and they just need somebody to help them think through to a solution. Wow. That was a great wraparound. Thank you so much, Carla. That was okay. All right. Now, this is um, something that we talk about quite a bit at Detail Experts, and that is social entrepreneurship. In fact, we actually talked about it on another episode earlier. Um, so it's the importance of giving back. So are there benefits to doing a job that aligns with your values? So oh, my goodness, yes. Again, I feel like I'm doing this a lot, but there are like <laughs> there are loads of answers. Or there are loads of pieces to this answer, and they're all different, and they're all interesting. So... First, the first bit is the answer to the is is it important to do something that, that's the lines with your values? Oh, one hundred percent. Because then you do it wholeheartedly, right? If you do something that meets those core values of yours, you do it wholeheartedly. You do it with passion. You don't work a day in your life, right? That's when you don't work a day in your life because you know if if your job is about integrity and integrity is a core value, you're flying. If it's authenticity, you're flying. If it's autonomy, whatever your core value is, if you can do something that means something to you, you do your job well and it doesn't hurt, right? So yes, so quite aside from social entrepreneurship, just doing something that is aligned with your values and your deep values is, is wonderful. In terms of giving back, in my role now, I'm blessed because I can actually build giving back into what I do, right? Because I know that there are people who need and would benefit from coaching and they would thrive with coaching who maybe don't have the funds for coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Or they may be at a stage in their life where to try and access coaching just, which just is not possible. And I can choose to build into my business model the ability to support people who need it but can't necessarily afford it. So that's what I do. So I will work with organizations and we'll work with, you know, I will have corporate deals which are paid for. I will work with individuals in a paid for capacity. But I will also work with, so I work with a breast cancer charity. I work with young people from marginalized backgrounds who are trying to get into the creative industries mm -hmm. and support them. And we do workshops together. And so I do a load of unpaid work as well. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's so fulfilling. And so, yes, I have it good because I can build that into my business model. Right. Mm -hmm. But actually, in answer to your question about social entrepreneurship and how much that is to, to, to do with living to your values, I think for me, it's more to do with being an entrepreneur. I get to be autonomous. I get to create the world I want to create. And the world I want to create involves giving back. So the benefits are, rather than it being about your values, for me, it's about the fact that I'm fortunate enough and I've worked hard enough to have my own business. And within my own business, I can build it to give back as well as to earn money to pay for the things that I need and my family needs. So um, I think that's the answer, really. Oh, that I think entrepreneurs, build it the way you want it. You know? That's right. That's right. That, that's really what it's all about. You know, you know, I call that um, awakened doing. And I oh, can, I love that. And I can see your light, you know, and all of the struggles and ups and downs that you've been through have led you to this place. And I'm I, so grateful for you having enough awareness and enough light 
to be able to share it with the world because that's where yeah. you find your joy. That's Absolutely. where you find abundance. That's what you find. Everybody is looking for stuff and money and things and looking for fulfillment, but that's really where you find it in helping other people and being in alignment with your purpose. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, Carla, I can say this. This is not a short podcast. This is going to be a full podcast because I'm not done yet. So please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so please bear with us as we continue. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> All right. So you coach clients at very senior levels. Uh, what is there a particular leadership style that stands out for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's another great question. And and it might sound really, it might sound really, you might know the answer already because we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but for me, authentic leadership is the leadership to go. And when I mean authentic, I mean, again, it's true to your values. So if you are the kind of person who it's really important to you to be clear and to be thorough and to be quiet and to be soulful, lead that way. If you're the kind of person that's jazz hands all the way and it's just song and dance and you love you know, you're really exuberant, lead that way, be true to your values. And, and it's really interesting because I was actually coaching a, a team this morning. Uh, so this morning, my time, which of, which of course is the middle of the night, your time. But so I was coaching a team this morning and we, we, we were talking around leadership and, they, uh, and they, they actually asked a really interesting question. They said, how do you bring your, you know, how do you lead? How did they put it? It was really interesting. How, how do you lead when you're not feeling it? which I think is a great question. It's not quite the question you've asked, but it, it but it's quite a nice link, right? Mm -hmm. It's how do you lead when you're just not feeling it? Because we all have those days where you're not feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can come back to knowing what your values are, knowing who you are and being true to yourself, be true to yourself. It doesn't mean that you have to let the team down and show them everything, but it just means that you are still being authentic, right? Be authentic. And the two, the two things that I asked them to think about, and they sat in groups together and they thought about this, was one, go into that difficult day or that difficult meeting where you're just not feeling it and think, what's the purpose? What is the thing that I need to achieve out of this meeting, right? So it's a, that's a classic leadership question, right? What, what is it that I need to achieve? What's the purpose? And then deliver that purpose in a values-led way, in a value-aligned way. And that's the easiest way on yourself when you're not feeling it to lead well, I think. Awesome. Okay. Does that work? Does that make sense? Absolutely, that makes sense. That. But, but you know, I, I hear in that is, is how you do what you do and the spirit in which you do it in. That's and, it, yeah. And if you're not feeling good for that day, because you realize you're not feeling good, you got a certain amount of awareness there, right? So you can put yourself in check. You can say, okay, I'm getting ready to go to work, but I'm having these issues and I know I'm a leader, so I got to be present and I got to be patient. There's a lot of times, sometimes it's not what you say, but it's the energy that you exude heals the room, heals the environment. And when you're in that space, right action comes a lot of times. A lot of times you'd be like, well, how did I say, what did I say? Why did, you know, but the key thing is that being aware enough to be aware of what you're feeling and understanding the room around you and making That's decisions. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it also says you don't have to be perfect as a leader. So we just loved your LinkedIn post. It was very inspiring and motivational. So you said you want your daughters to be brave, not perfect. Wow, that was powerful. That's tough. Well, uh, do you know something? I've got to. T I've got to tell you this. So that post, I think it was part of an interview that one of my my old universities did with me, and when they edited it, they sadly and completely unintentionally edited out where that where that quote came from because it isn't my line. Um, and the reason I say that is because you have to quote your sources. It's only That's fair, right? right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going to because I'm going I'm going to quote them now because there are two. It starts off with the wonderful Reshma Sajani, who's the um, CEO of Girls Who Code. And she's, uh, she's incredible. And she's a writer and she's a speaker. And she's had TED Talks, fantastic. And also the, the other person who's used that phrase is, is Paula Davis, who's a, a, who's a, tra a trauma counselor. And she's a, she's a phenomenal lady. But yes, I, the principle is absolutely spot on, right? As we would say over here in the UK, it's spot on. Everybody 
in my opinion, should strive to be, and by brave, I don't mean running into the burning building brave. I mean, courageous. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, walking through fear, grabbing fear, as you say, when we're talking about fear, and just sitting with it, sitting with it and, and trying, right? Being okay with making mistakes, being okay with failing sometimes. Failure is where you learn, right? Um, but I think it was really significant writing that piece about um, our daughters. And I say our daughters because I think we, you know, we bring young women up, you know, and, and historically we've brought young women up to be perfect and to look great and to act great and to say the right things and not say too much. And, you know, everything has to be just so. And what we do is we, we've, you know, historically raised girls to, to think that if everything isn't 10 out of 10, if it isn't perfect, they fail and it's a disaster. But actually, what we should be doing is saying, it's okay to fail. It's fine. Just have a play, try, see what happens, explore, right? And if it goes wrong, it doesn't matter. It's fine. You've learned something. And actually, one of the, it's, it's interesting because I read another article more recently about the power of, power of the word yet. Ah. If there's something you don't know how to do, don't, don't give up. Add the word yet to it and see what happens, right? And it's, I can't stand up and talk in public yet that's okay that means there's space to learn right you know oh I I you know I I I can't I can't I can't be be on the board I'm not ready to be on the board I'm not ready to be on the board yet but I will be and I think that just it's like opening the door a tiny Mm -hmm. bit right Mm -hmm. and again that's that's often where we you know I've got a couple of clients that I'm coaching them in that space of yet you've got it in you we just have to figure out how to put these pieces together so let's just say let's just say you can't do it yet. It's fine. It's fine. And I think that that's really that piece about don't worry. Perfection isn't the aim. Growth is the aim. Ah. Okay, Carla. <laughs> wow, that is phenomenal. Okay. So finally, for our listeners who want to take a new, they want to take on a new challenge, such as start a new job or business, or maybe the timing just isn't right, or they don't know enough. Uh, what takeaways would you give them? Mm. The not knowing enough is fascinating, right? Because it's a lot like the perfectionist piece. Yes. I'll do this when I'm ready. I'll do this when the scene is set. I'll do this when I've, when I've got all of my ducks in a row. And I think sometimes we make excuses for ourselves not to start something because it's, it's, it's terrifying to start, right? It's always terrifying to start something new. It's always terrifying to make a change. So the, the, the two takeaways I would give you uh, or I'd give listeners are this. One, just start. You don't have to start with a, with a big bang. You can start gently, right? Just start. And actually the discoveries you make along the way will be revolutionary, right? And that's a, it, it, the, the piece of that, it's, it's a little bit like thinking about that example I gave you earlier about the, the two binary points. Just start walking along your line. If it's something that means something to you, start walking along, along the line towards your goal and make sure you've clarified your goal first. Because actually, if you can clarify your goal, that makes that walk much easier. Right. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid when things go wrong. It's OK. Get into the habit of reflecting and asking yourself what you've learned. And actually, I would say and I do this with my, my children. I have two teenage daughters is is ask yourselves what you've learned from the good days and ask yourselves what you've learned from the bad days and they're okay and and it's fine because you learn something from all the experiences right but again this is a little bit in fact it's a lot about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset and the idea that actually the learning is what the learning is what matters it's it's the, the journey that counts if we're so um fixated on the destination we we don't spot things along the journey and actually, that's where all the learning happens. So those are the takeaways. Well, well you know, these are some wonderful nuggets. <laughs> Thank you for your presence and your knowledge and your wisdom. And to sum this up in my mind, this conversation has been about transcendence and reincarnation, transcending the fear, stepping into that space of the unknown, and reincarnating ourselves in a place where those fears no longer are barriers. So we move to the next level. And I think that we, as a race of people, 
on this planet, ultimate goal is to connect on a deeper level in that the intelligence that allows your heart to beat is the same intelligence that allowed my heart to beat. The hair that is growing on your head and the hair that grows on my head comes from the same intelligence, which makes the grass grow, which makes the sun shine. So we really are all connected on a deeper level. And that source is the source of love. And I believe that once those barriers of our judgment and do this and we're disconnected by judging each other, and we can connect that 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 is in you is in me, that is the ultimate transcendent transcendental state so thank you Carla. thank you so much for inviting me on i've loved it i've loved this conversation uh, you have done a phenomenal job and i i will say a future podcast show will be a combination of you and karen karen actually um, owns the phoenix business network and we are so excited getting you two in the room not only from the standpoint that you share that common desire of coaching but i just think the two of you together will make a podcast that will actually blow our listeners away so i hope that when we call and invite you back again you'd be more than happy to come because i am convinced that that is definitely a podcast that will be a part two or part three, as we should say, to these previous discussions because you have done a phenomenal job. So that's great. All right. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Carla, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, given that your listeners are very far away from me geographically, the best way is probably by email. So I can give you my work email. Awesome. And you can find me at you can find me online at, at, at carlafariacoaching.co.uk. So that's the easiest way. And then in there is my email. Awesome. Awesome. So they can find me, they can find me online. And I would love to speak to them. So do share that. All right. Share your LinkedIn profile because I I think um uh, this is one thing that kind of speaks to what Emile just ended with is we are connected. And with this thing called the World Wide Web, um, there is mm -hmm. no way that we can stay away from each other. So we can definitely um, connect in that social way. What's your LinkedIn profile? It, it You'll just find it as Carla Faria. Awesome. So I'll send you and I will, yeah, and I will send you the link for it. But yes, you'll just, if you just look at Carla Faria, see all my articles there. Awesome. All, all my wild writings that I do, you know, with all my coaching topics that I love. So your listeners can read, can read on there as well. Carla, we are so excited to have you join us today. It has been phenomenal to no end, but we do have to end. So you've been listening to more details, please, on the Phoenix Business Radio X podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company that saves the planet one franchise at a time. Until next time, we're Angela and Emmanuel Williams and our guest, Carla Ferrero. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to More Details, Please. Presented by Emmanuel and Angela Williams from Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company dedicated to protecting the planet. Be sure to subscribe to More Details, Please on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook at Detail Experts and visit DetailExperts.net. That's D-E-T-A-I-L-X-P-E-R-T-S.net. We hope you've gained some valuable insights from our conversations today. Stay driven by curiosity, and we'll bring you more details next time.